This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's uh, Friday the 19th of October 2022. This evening's show, we're joined by Charlotte Rigby from the Burnley pod. No, nay, never. Uh, to help us preview the first of many Lancashire derbies this season as the pool travel to Turf Moor for the first time since 2013, which is nearly nine years ago. I'm John Asperall, this is Seaside's podcast, match preview show, Burnley versus Blackpool. Uh, good evening, all you Blackpool and maybe a few Burnley fans out there this evening. Welcome back to the Seasiders podcast match preview coming on a Friday now. Blackpool versus Burnley, one of uh, many Lancashire derbies. Uh, firstly, welcome Tim. Good evening. Uh, good evening. Yes, Mitch, I have just had my holiday haircut. <laughs> <laughs> down to down to Richards, the barbers, this at this morning. Nice short trim for the holiday. Owen would love that, Tim, wouldn't he? Oh, no, he was stroking my hair again. <laughs> uh, welcome, Sean. How are you doing? How's how's life been today on the presses? It's uh, It's been good. It's been uh, entertaining. Excellent. Um, we'll also introduce uh, Charlotte. Let's bring, bring her up now. Uh, welcome, Charlotte. Big beat to the Seasiders podcast from the No Name Never Pod. Thanks, thanks, Charlotte, for coming on. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Hello, everybody. Excellent. Right, Charlotte, so when we have new guests on from uh, Oppositions, uh, Steve just said, bring on the dingles. That's fighting talk. Uh, Charlotte, we, we normally get a bit about the uh, the opposition and a bit about yourself, why you're a, a fan of the club, you sport, etc. So let's get cracking with that. So, Charlotte, just want to tell us a bit about yourself, why you're a Burnley fan, how long you've been a Burnley fan, and how you ended up on the uh, No Nay Never pod, and a bit about that pod as well. 
Yeah, of course can. So um, I was born in Burnley. I'm from a very Burnley family. If you try and support anybody else, you get thrown out. Um, so it's very much that's how I came into Burnley football. My dad is very much into football, as is my nana. Um, and it's my nana who I go on the turf with. Um, so it's a very much a family thing. So that's how we've we've got involved and been a Burnley fan for as long as you can remember, really, um, right. watching football. With regards to our podcast, we do uh, analysis show, preview shows, um, every week of the games um, I tend to get on it I got on it through Twitter um, where we do a lot of our we have a Twitter Clarets hashtag we do a lot of our uh, analysis on the game and things and that's how I got onto it I'm very very new to the Northern Ever podcast I've only been on for a few weeks this season um, so new to the podcasting world as, it, as such but thoroughly enjoying it so far Excellent so uh, the, the No Name Ever pod is that the main Burnley pod or is the is, is that there's the, quite the, a is few there a, yeah oh, okay. there's there's quite a few podcasts. Um, they all tend to do different things. We're very much a reaction podcast. We do have the analysis and things on there, but we're very much about the feeling um, and how we feel as fans and how uh, we feel in reaction to the games and coming up, whereas some of the others might be more um, analysis-based. We do have our analysis. We have our resident stat man, stat man Dave, where he comes on and gives us um, the different types of stats. But uh, <laughs> so you He's ours. As well. He's your stat man <laughs> yeah. Dave, stat man Sean. <laughs> Um, so we do have our Statman Dave who comes on the preview shows. We also have like our fantasy Premier League um, leagues as well. So there's quite a few things going on in the podcast. All right, excellent. So you mentioned um, your pod's more about feeling. So how how did you feel when Sean Dyche left Burnley? Because it was a bit of a shock to the, I think the footballing world in general, wasn't it, when he left or got booted? Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was definitely a shock. I think there was quite a few people that thought it was time. There was quite a few people that saw it coming, but I think it was more timing-wise that was the shock more than anything. I think we'd maybe accepted that maybe coming towards the end of the season, that might have been something to think about when we got to the end of the season, but it just happened... I think it was quite a few days after the game as well. You think if they're going to get sacked in relation to a result or things, it's pretty quickly after the game. But it, we'd played the game on the Sunday, I think it was, and it was further towards the end of the week where the news broke. And it was, I think it was, was it Good Friday? I think it was Good Friday. And it was um, it was shocking that way. Um, Feeling-wise, well, I think I felt the same. So there was, it was a mix. Some people were like, thank God it's, it's finally happened. We, we're bored of this style. I am very much nostalgic in that way I was I was quite upset about it a lot of my family were quite upset about it he's done so much for the club and we thought if he stayed maybe some people thought if they stayed maybe we had a chance I, I mean if he if you go down he's one of them managers that give you a chance of going back up again but I think it was because we didn't know what was going to come next if you don't in the unknown it's scary isn't it but that's not to say that we're not enjoying it at the moment yeah you were touching on obviously the, the- switching style I guess of of Daesh and now you've got Vincent Company who's obviously complete polar opposite to to really what Daesh was trying to do I always thought that as you said I thought personally it was probably about time that there was a bit of a, a style shift and it all got a little bit stale but mm. how have you sort of received Vincent Company he's very much I watched his um when he's speaking to the players when he first arrived and I really sort of bought into what he was he was talking about there to them and it does seem like he's he's going the right way about it and he's very much this is my way of playing and you either buy in or you don't. 
Yeah, I'm definitely enjoying seeing it. Like we say, it's completely different to what we used to. What we played in the Premier League was what we needed to play. It was very it was very physical. It was very defensive. It's the way we needed to go into our games when you're going up against opposition like that. You found when we've come down and we've got Vincent Company, we can play a much more possession game. We can we have less of the physicality. And sometimes, I think over the last few games, we've missed that. Um I think there's been circumstances where we could have done with being a bit more physical or, or not being so afraid on the ball. But that's not to say that his style isn't. It's so entertaining. I'm finding it very entertaining. To be a Burnley squad where you have 70% possession, 70% plus possession, is unheard of for myself, really. And it's so, it is interesting. It's so good to see them playing out from the back, being able to pass it between and being able to keep hold of it. It's exciting to see where we go. And I think once we get that final piece, we're just being held back slightly in that final third. And I think once we get that, we, we could be onto a winner. Yeah, I think the, the point I was just going to make there is kind of the point you made about the final third. There's been a lot of talk about needing a striker. I know that companies kind of keeps referencing perhaps Scott Twine could play there when he yeah. comes back or he could play in a 10. Is that really sort of the missing piece of the jigsaw for you? Obviously, you brought in the, the lad from Stuttgart who kind of can play a range of positions, but do you mm-hmm. feel you need that, that 20 goal a season player to kind of gel it all together? We've been talking about it a lot. I don't think we're going to be able to find a proven championship, a proven 20 goal a season striker. And, and obviously the company said that's not something that he's looking for. He's looking for goals coming across from the hall of the park, really. And I'm quite excited for when Scott Twine is fit. And I think if he does slot into that number 10 role behind, we will have someone who can get it into the box. I thought J-Rod was fantastic against Hull. Um, J-Rod, Tuesday, think, J-Rod. Yeah, is that what he's known yeah, as? We're fantastic. J-Rod Riguez, sorry for yeah, that. I know you mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was fantastic on on Tuesday, and I think if he's getting someone like Scott Twine, that's another should be another goal threat. He was getting mobbed slightly on Tuesday, and as soon as he was getting into the box, there was what three, four players on him. I think if you've got someone like Scott Twine as well. We do want to bring in a striker. We need to bring in a striker, even someone that we can just rotate in and out of the team. Um, even if it's not a proven striker that's going to be starting every game, we need those options to be able to find the way that fits us to play going forward at the moment. And I think we definitely need to get somebody in, though it's not going to be a proven one. Um, so obviously you've had a good run in the uh, Premier League, I think. I think, you know, I think we've, uh, as Blackpool fans, we've looked on and thought, you know, you've made a good a good fist of being up there. Um, how are you feeling about being back in the Championship and particularly... Um, how are we looking forward to all the um, the plethora of derby games we've got this year, you know, with Preston, Blackburn, Wigan, um, yourselves, ourselves, all in the same division. It's going to be made for quite an interesting season, I think. Yeah, I love a derby game and I'm definitely looking forward to having them back. It means so much more than just your average football game. You're either heartbroken or like ecstatic at the end of it. So it's very much emotional. I'm quite excited about being back in the championship as well. Obviously, you're gutted to get relegated, but like if some people have said the Premier League can feel like a bit of a circus at times there's so much going on that's not necessarily football and I mean being able to celebrate a goal and not being scared that it's going to get ruled off five minutes later while you've been stood there for a VAR decision that was one of the worst things while you're in the Premier League and I think being able to actually have that emotion associated with it as well and not having to wait and think oh you know it's been ruled off now that's completely just destroyed our, our feeling I think that's definitely better some of the crowds and the stadiums as well I love that type of uh, stadium that you get in the championship it feels a lot more like um the fans that are there are there because they really support the team not that they're glory hunting really you get more fans that that are based in the city or the town that they're in and i feel that's 
more important to me sometimes. Obviously, that's not to say that we don't want to get back in the Premier League. It's a big time. There's a lot of, a lot of things going on up there, but I absolutely love the Championship as a league. Yeah, I actually penned in my um, questions, I think I actually put that word um, Premier League circus. I think it's like you say, yeah. it's got a hell of a lot worse since since we were down there. Um, yeah, the VAR thing, I just can't... Ex- We've obviously never experienced it, but I can imagine it being particularly difficult, like you've said, to Yeah, to, it's so frustrating. If it worked properly, and it, you could see where they're coming from, but you just think, sometimes you think there's still so much bias in there and it doesn't work properly. They're drawing lines that look like a three-year-old's drawn and we a crayon. You know, the, you have no idea what's going to go on and penalties are being given, not given. And you think it takes a lot of the personality out of the game. Like the officials are there. If they make a human error, human error is one of them things. But if they've got all the screens to look at and then they're making an error again, then it's just really mm, annoying. Yeah, I've got to say as well, um, uh, last time I went to Burnley, I, I, I know Matt Williams, who um, used to be the uh, basically the CEO at Blackpool, is obviously at Burnley now on the as part of your management structure. And he invited, he invited me to a game. And they actually had football tourists at Burnley, you know, they sort of come over from wherever it was in Europe. And um, and and I think that's a big feature of the Premier League games now. And listen, I can't say too much because I did it in Germany, but um, wherever you go in the Premier League, there's so many... Um, what I'd call non non team supporting fans, you know they weren't they weren't they weren't there to support uh, whichever team. Liverpool's one of the worst, you know. We go mm. there, at Liverpool. It's full of Chinese, Japanese, you know, at wherever from all different countries, all just there for the experience. And it to me it dilutes what it's all about. And I think you've got if you if that happens, you've got to be very very careful that you know you're not selling your soul. Because uh, the the soul of Burnley and Blackpool and all these other teams is 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 the fans of sport and for donkeys years and the Liverpools you know exactly the same with Liverpool if you went to Liverpool the nineteen seventies nineteen eighties everybody there was from the town and now it's probably the reverse it's probably they're probably in a minority and um, I find that quite sad in some respects so. Uh, um, I think but yeah I, I went there and I got to chat to some guys and they were just there because it was a Premier League game and. You know, you don't want too much of that going on for me. I think it's more about you know you, you're going to get you're going to get a a, a, a a dichotomy of sound tomorrow, Charlotte. You're going to get the tangerine hordes <laughs> giving it plenty. So um, we'll 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 uh, we'll make sure it's a, a great atmosphere. Hopefully, you'll get get involved as well. And that's what it's all about for me. I think I mentioned off off uh, when we're in the green room that um, back in and somebody on the somebody on the chat will tell me exactly which year it was where we played. I'm sure it was a Friday night. And we turned up and I said, we Blackpool fans, there's about 7,000 of us there and the, and the ground was packed and it was in the old fourth division. We got beat as usual. I can't, I struggle to remember many games we've actually won at Burnley. Well, I'd say um, I did, I did put on, on my show notes. Um, we've, I've never personally ever seen us win at Burnley and, you know, late forties now. And, um, we should have won when Hol- when we when we got relegated for the Premier League. Holloway was at his at a Moncon because you know he's like he was like, he was a bit up and down, wasn't he? And we turned up with a really negative team, and we ended up drawing two all, if I remember rightly. Um, but if we'd started off the way we finished, we'd have won that game. But I, I really do. I, I, I went once, and I'm going back a long time now. When when you were originally redeveloping the ground in, in, with the two main the two stands that you created opposite the Bob Lord and the cricket stand, they'd been knocked down and we were only allowed about 2,000 there. And I had to go in the Bob Lord stand. I'd pretend I was a Burnley fan to get into the game. 
and uh, and when when Andy Pree scored, this is sort of like this is probably like ninety five, ninety six. Um, somebody behind, one of your lot behind me was like kicking the back of my seat for the rest of the game all the way through. But um, that that we won that game. So I saw. I think that was must have been ninety five. Under Worthington, people are saying Tim Junior Bent right. scored the winner. Right. We de- we definitely won when Andy Priest um, scored, and I think we won two 0 that day. But I literally that half the Bob Lord stand jumped up and celebrated when he scored. So there was, I wasn't the only one. I wasn't the only one in there because I think we'd only given, been given about something like five hundred tickets or something because it was a really restricted capacity that year. Well, speaking of. Um allocations Charlotte last time we've obviously been we're in the is it the cricket field stand behind the goal and that was primarily for away fans and I think we more or less filled it last time we went obviously it's cut down the middle now isn't it is that a kind of a hangover from the Premier League so you can get more home fans in the stadium yeah I think it was kind of an atmosphere thing as well um a lot of the noise making comes from that kind of stand um, but it, I think it is what, so we can get more we didn't necessarily have huge attendances um, we had pretty good ones for the size of the town um, but I think it's definitely created a better atmosphere having that half of that as home fans as well mm. um, you can see sometimes it, it gets a bit a bit too much between the two and they have to get the stewards involved and whatever but I think it, it is a bit of an atmosphere creating thing as well they do fill it it's one of the first ones to sell okay. out it's one of the favourite stands to sit in um, and they do fill it and you have to be a season ticket holder to sit in that one you can't just buy a ticket um, well definitely last season I'm pretty sure it's the same again um, but it is one of the favourite stands to sit in so that's where the aggro is going to be basically <laughs> Yeah, that's where the aggro is. <laughs> so you've not bought like um, a load of flags to like community share around to create some atmosphere like uh, Preston have down the road because apparently they, they need flags to, to make noise. I, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I might turn up on tomorrow and it'd be completely different, but I haven't heard anything. <laughs> where, do you, where do you sit in the sand, Short? Uh, I sit on the long side, um, up at, right on the halfway line. Okay. That was where the atmosphere was when we used to go. Um, I think Burnley changed. It was a brilliant atmosphere when there was that long side terrace. And I know quite a few Burnley fans, they all say the same thing, that it kind of killed the intimidating atmosphere and the, the atmosphere in general at Turf Moor when that when that stand got developed. Is that, is that a fair mm. comment? And can you, yeah, can you remember, can you remember that far comment. back? No, but I think from what I've heard, yeah. <laughs> it's a fair <laughs> comment. Um, I, it's a difficult one. You see the cricket field end with the home fans, it curls round slightly onto the long side. It's a little bit more difficult to get the, the Bob Lord on that side as well, close to the away fans, quite good. It's a little bit more difficult to get other stands involved. I think we have the, uh, do you remember, it's a family stand, so not everything that we sing is quite that appropriate. And then you've got like the um, director's box and things and the Bob Lord, which obviously don't stand up and get involved. Um, so it's very much a one-sided type of thing um, on that cricket field end and the, the other stands quite close to it. You tend to get the most atmosphere there. On the whole game, we, we it was good there was quite a few um, periods where we got the, it seemed like the whole ground was getting involved and it felt massive at that point and you did see it kind of lift them slightly off the um, when they're on the pitch as well when we were last in the championship it, it was called Fortress Turf Moor that was what it was coined and that's what it felt like and I'm hoping we can get back up to something like that Hopefully not. For those who don't, sorry, going to say John for those who don't remember there was like a load of grounds at that time that long side 
it was like the best thing to have a whole a massive covered terrace going right away down mm. the length of the ground. Huddersfield had it, City had it. It's quite a few a few different stadiums have it, and it was the noise you used to get from the Burnley side was 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 really quite incredible, and um, it was very it definitely. I think gave them a huge advantage when they used to play at home in those days because it, it would you know it make your ears bleed listening to them when they got going. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. I just remember. I remember one game when um, my cousins uh, threw the hell at half our our family's Burnley fans, and uh, my two cousins Graham, uh, Graham, if you're watching, his two brothers, and they were actually in there, Tim, that on that game when it was like a war almost, wasn't it? When we had like yeah. six, seven thousand there, and there's that no man's land, and we I just saw him like giving it that from the away from the from the other side of the terrace. It was really funny. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a great terror, sadly missed. Okay, um Tim, on the questions. Question five, I think we're on. Oh right, yeah, I forgot I've I've, I've come off the questions, so <laughs> somebody else ask it. Right, go on then. Um so Charlotte, are you confident you'll go straight back up? Given the yeah, the, the big turnaround of players, expensive. you've got twelve new twelve new players, it's sometimes a bit tricky, isn't it, to to kind of yeah. rebuild. It's definitely expectation on the relegated teams, isn't it, to, to go back up. It's one of the things. But like we said, we've lost a lot of our first-team players. We still have quite a few of them still starting. We still have the spine, some of the spine, but we've lost a lot, and it's going to be a completely new team that's going to do it. It's going to be a new challenge for them. Um, obviously, I'm hopeful that we'll go up. I'm, I'm, people in Burnley won't like me saying this, but I kind of want to go up through the playoffs. They won't want the nerves of it, but I don't. I do remember going up through the playoffs, but not as well as I want to. Mm. And I know it's such a it's such a good experience. So if we were going to go up, I would want to go up through the playoffs. So I'm sorry, all the Burnley fans that wouldn't enjoy that type of situation. But it is something that, like I think we said earlier, it's it's the best time for us to be experimenting with the new team. I think we've come down. We have to kind of. We're going to lose our bigger players. We have to get new players in. It's a good time to be experimenting. It's a good time to find out what works for us. And, and hopefully, even though we've got all these new lads, like we say, the championship's a massive slog. Even though we've got these new lads, hopefully by the time they're able to gel together and we're able to get a, a team that really works together and understand one another and a formation that works together every time because it feels like it changes every every game that we play at the moment, then hopefully we do get those points on the board, even if it comes to... I think if we're anywhere near the play, by Christmas that hopefully we'll we'll get going after that and the the hope is always to to go back up even though I enjoy the championship better sometimes <laughs> um I was just thinking that actually we've, we've obviously the relegated sides it does seem like there's a bit of a change in tack this year of, of how they're approaching the championship compared to to obviously last season we had Fulham and, and Bournemouth and they're spending big amounts of money look Burnley have spent a fair amount of money but they obviously sold a lot more as well um mm. They're going to experiment. You look at Watford with Rob Edwards. It's a, a young, up-and-coming manager as well. Do you feel like that's sort of purposeful? Why do you, why do you feel like you, you've gone in that direction rather than what other relegated clubs perhaps have? Because if you look at a championship this season, I couldn't pick out someone who's going to win the league at the moment. No, I I think maybe we've had our hand forced slightly. Like we, don't, we don't know what the financial situation is with the club at the moment, especially with a very recent takeover. We don't know whether we have that money behind us to, to spend massively. So whether it is more of a, a forced situation, plus company has a very particular style of player and you can see it in who is brought in. And he likes, he has brought in the, the younger lads. It looks like he's 
trying to build the team more than anything. Obviously, we've brought in a few lads on loan, which might not be here come the end of the season, but it looks like he's building a team for the future. And if you're going to go and spend massive money now and to get promoted and then lose them all by the time you get into the Premier League, then what's the point? So I think it, maybe our hand's been forced slightly, but it also plays into companies' way of, of playing, I think, by going at things in a slightly different way, getting younger players in, getting maybe players that aren't as well known, not spending loads of money and changing our style up, and hopefully that will do well for us. Um, who 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 would you think we need to look out for tomorrow then, Charlotte? So... Um... You know, we'll, we'll we'll talk to you a little bit about who we think our danger men are, but but who, who's going to cause us some damage? It's quite difficult to know at the moment, especially because a lot of our players are, are unknown to us. Um, we've only seen them for a few games. It's we don't really know who's starting game to game either, but. Um, I think J-Rod looked fantastic on Tuesday and if he can play like he did, I think he's going to be a danger man as long as we can keep him fit. Ian Matson's been fantastic on the wing as well. Um, he's got man of the match a couple of games already this season, if not officially, definitely for our podcast. Um, so he's definitely got um, one to watch there. Um, we saw Nathan Tellis come on um, on the whole game and we saw um, him for the last, I think, about, 20 minutes or so and he looks really bright as well so if he starts he might be one to watch um, danger men really and then looking towards the back one that might not necessarily be a danger man going forward but one to look at I think is Taylor Harwood Bellis I think he's been fantastic he, he's very he's a young player um, but he got man of the match on Tuesday against Hull and he was absolutely fantastic you were watching him and he, he got better in the game and he's got better every game and he's got better as he's been playing and obviously we lost uh, Benmi and James Tarkowski over the summer which felt like massive losses out of everybody them two and Pope felt like the biggest because of the way we played but I think if we can keep hold of Harwood Bellis he's only on loan at the moment but if we can keep hold of him he'll be a massive player for us um, and it was kind of like watching Tarkowski at times I mean I was getting him I kept calling him Tarkowski and that wasn't just the number on the back my sister were getting really annoyed um, so he's one to watch at the back um, but going forward I think it's more if he, if he starts J-Rod Ian Matson, um and possibly Teller if he starts as well Okay, uh, Charlotte, we've got a co- quite an interesting comment come in from Nigel in the comments there. Obviously, we know who your main rivals are, but Nigel's asked, uh, Charlotte, who do you see Burnley see as a bigger rival than Nobbers or Blackpool? Uh, it depends, doesn't it? I think at the moment, points-wise, you guys, <laughs> but we love a good derby, whoever it is. We, we obviously know who our biggest rivals is. It's not a game I'll be going to. Um away I don't think you have to get busted in you have to get busted in from Burnley there's no there's no alcohol on the concourse it's actually quite boring to go it'll definitely be on TV so it's much better to watch um, but definitely for the time being you're the biggest rivals because it's you lot tomorrow <laughs> yeah, fair, that's a fair comment <laughs> I think um, obviously before you were born as we were talking in the green room Blackpool and Burnley um, locked horns quite regularly in the eight, late 80s early 90s and there was quite a, a fierce uh, Derby relationship that we kind of built up with them at the time, and that's obviously dissipated since uh, our paths no longer cross from uh, 2013 onwards. But I think we're all looking forward to get this uh, rivalry rivalry back going. Um, anyway, so Charlotte, just before you go, um, do you know anything about the current Blackpool setup? Obviously, you've been quite insulated from the football league um, since you've been in the Premier League. But do you know anything about Blackpool and? 
have you got any idea of the sort of strength of players that we're bringing our team or anything? Yeah, I don't know too much about it. Um, I assume that you've had a decent start to the season, but have you also picked up a couple of injuries? Is that right? Mm. With some key players. Um, so that might force you to change the way that you're playing. Um, you've not got, I don't know if you've got that many solid guys to get off the bench. I don't know if that's the case. That's usually the case with us. So I can only say what we are, but I don't know too much about you. But the way we've like derby games, as we said, they never play out as they should anyway, do they? So it doesn't really matter who you've got on the teams at the end of the day. It's all about the, the feeling more than anything. Um, but yeah, I've definitely seen that you've got you've picked up a couple of injuries. Um, I was having a look at that earlier. A couple of long-term, aren't they? A few weeks and maybe a bit longer, um, which is it's a nightmare at the beginning of the season. I know when we were in the Premier League a couple of seasons ago, if you pick up injuries, it can absolutely change your, your game. They're obviously um, our two kind of central midfield players that mm. we've been um, all crying out for pre-season. We've got two um, two young wonder kids in from Premier League teams, and uh, it's not one; it's two, isn't it, Tim? It's been typical yeah, they're, they're both, both at the same time. I mean, if, if, if Charlotte, if you ever want a, a cringe moment, watch Patino, who's our the Arsenal wonder kid. Watch his ankle. His ankle. I've seen it. Now, he yeah. actually played the rest of that half, but obviously, as, as anybody who's played knows, as soon as you stop kicking a ball, your ankle just swells up, and that's what's happened yeah. with him. Uh, he's actually out about four weeks, but uh, Farino, who um, is, is um, uh, our other uh, Italian-sounding uh, central midfielder from City, he's out for eight weeks, so between the two of them. And it... And, and it it's disappointing because we, we look like we're just starting to get a bit of a blend together going, and um, they were the attacking midfielders with with uh, with um, Kenny Deagle sitting behind them, and uh, I thought we did quite well on, on Tuesday night, and then all of a sudden it's almost like back to the proverbial drawing board. So, but watch out for Bowler. Bowler will play on the right wing. He's um, he's probably. When he's on his game, the most exciting player, probably one of the most exciting players in the championship to watch run with the ball. And um, uh, he, he will undoubtedly cause you some problems. And um, and then if Gary Medine plays, as Mitch, who's in the comments there, will tell you, um, guaranteed to score, apparently. <laughs> Super gas game change. <laughs> it's Gary Medine, you may have heard of him. He's a, he's a bit of a, a cult here on the um, podcast. So, Charlotte, based on... What you know and what you've just heard, um, give us a, give us your match predictions, and then we'll we'll sign off for the evening. Yeah, always hoping for a win. I think if we can go one nil up with our possession at the moment, we can hopefully try and keep that. Um, it, it makes it quite hard for people to get hold of it if we manage to keep it. So I'm hoping for a one nil tomorrow. I think I predicted one nil on. Uh, the No Name Never Pod, they asked me for a bit of a Vox Pop, so I said 1-0 <laughs> to us. I not listen to it yet. <laughs> I think I actually forgot Sean Dyche's name at one point, so not really recommended watching. I didn't represent Blackpool fans very well there, but right. Right, um, Charlotte, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thanks ever so much for joining us, and uh, as ever, good luck for the rest of the season, apart from when we play you. Same to yourself as well. <laughs> so thanks again, Charlotte. Cheers. No, see you later. All right, see you, bye. Thank you. Bye. Right, Charlotte from No Nay Never. Uh, a very informed young lady. Excellent. Good to have a... Super. Yeah, it's good to have so the, the, the fan interaction back, isn't it, on the, on the preview shows. Right, let's move on to you, Sean. Tell us about the press conference today. Warts and all. Don't hold back. <laughs> 
Yeah, so there's quite a few takeaway points. I don't know if um, I actually put it in the Patreon chat of the, his full press conference from QPR, which kind of gives an idea about why I'm really sort of entertained every week with with listening to what Mark Lofton says. He's very straight talking. He's no nonsense. He knows exactly what he wants. I think that's kind of starting to cut through for people that perhaps were unsure about him. Um, I mean, he, he started with the the Burnley thing of saying of slagging off their finances and saying that. Um, all of this talk about them, their finances being an issue um, is nonsense with the amount of money they've spent. Um, and um, I'm sure there'll be a couple of other bits that come out tomorrow um, as well. Um, obviously, he's, he's spoken about Matty Virtue as well, which we'll probably come on to late. Time for a quick break in proceedings to say if you're enjoying this content and want to say thanks for the pods, please consider joining our Patreon support programme. Starting from the price of a pint per month, Patreon allows you to contribute towards our production costs, gear upgrades, and our drinks tab at the dog. Your support will ultimately make the show bigger, better, and I like eating a tin of prunes more regular. You'll also get extra stuff in return, like all the podcasts before general release, backstage access to us and our guests, exclusive Patreon-only shows, and other random bits and pieces. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash seasiderspod to find out more and hopefully sign up. Here on, um... But yeah, it's just it's just nice to, to just listen to a guy that will just spill exactly what he's thinking at that point. And you've got no sort of, you're not second guessing anything because he's very straight up about what he wants. And I think that's, that's quite refreshing. Hashtag no filter. 100%. And that's, it's great. It's, on a, it's great. And that's what I think will win a lot of the fans that are unsure about him over because a lot of... For me, what what did fans complain about about Neil Critchley? They complained about the way that he spoke in press conferences, and he was a bit passive and a bit, you know, a bit robotic sometimes. And they wanted a bit of honesty from him, particularly in games where perhaps we haven't played so well. And they also wanted us to try and play football the right way in an expansive fashion and and stick on what we know, what not what the opponent's about. And I, he's ticking all those boxes for me. So I, I should think that should win people over who perhaps were unsure about it. It's interesting. I probably that press conference that you you sent through was probably one of the first times I've really listened to him. Um, obviously, you see the written words sometimes, but you don't necessarily... Um, I, I, I don't list, look at everything, and, and there probably is in other interviews I could have seen, but haven't. And, and I think there was a refreshing honesty in there. And I think, listen, it's easier to do a press conference when you've won 1-0 than when you've, you've lost 2-0 or something, isn't it? But... Um, uh, I, I was. I've got to say, I was quite impressed, and you know, as just as I was quite impressed with the way we played on on on, on Tuesday night, and uh, you know, I know I know some of the QPR fans were having a go at us for sitting back deep, but Jesus Christ, we'd lost two of our central midfield players, and we still nearly scored two goals in injury time. So uh, at the end of the second half, didn't we? Where we had so we can't say we're sitting back that deep because we definitely had the opportunities later on. So. Um, I, you know, I, I like the way, you know, I like the style of play, and I like, I like the fact that he'll take people off at half time because there's nothing more frustrating when something's not right. By and that always happened with Critchley, yeah, isn't it? Used to slag him you off knew, all the ball. You, yeah. you knew that if it was going tits up at half time, and it was obviously need to make a change. He wouldn't make it till 60, 65 minutes at the earliest, and so you you, you would go through the first twenty minutes of the second half just wasting that mid time because the system wasn't working or that particular player wasn't doing what, what you'd expect of them. And 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 to be fair to Appleton, he just hooks them off. And uh, they may not like it, but it's 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 for me it's it's good management. And um 
So sorry, I was just gonna yeah, sorry, yeah, I was gonna say that the I think one of the, the key points for me was the, the last five minutes of that game when he brought Corbin who won up top for, for Josh Bowler and we were really needed an out ball at that point and he made that decision to, to take off a player that, you know, if you were thinking of someone who's gonna counter and score that second goal, it's gonna be Josh Bowler, but he took Bowler off and Corbin who caused all manner of problems. I mean he didn't quite know where his feet were doing half the time, but he he got in the right positions and we had three chances. Lavery should have buried that one in across the box mm. in, in added time. We had three chances from that point. If you actually look at the expected goals, we made about one XG in that five minutes since Corbin who came on when for the thirty minutes before we hadn't really created a chance. And that that's just smart and it that's that's him, as you say, streetwise and experience coming through and He's not stupid, and uh, like we, we've touched on before about the Swansea game. But for me, I thought we were very, very good against Swansea. And we were very unfortunate to lose that game, and it was essentially a carbon copy, just with the half switched for me against Swansea and QPR. In that we we sat back a bit against Swansea in the first half to try and control those thirds. It didn't quite work particularly because he probably sat deeper than we initially wanted to. Then second half we came out aggressive, and we took that aggression into the first half at QPR. And then second half, you know, when, when we had those injuries, we kind of had to change our, our style a little bit, but we, we were brave. And I think as well, the important thing for me is how well we seem to be defending the 18-yard box at the moment because the, the trouble that we're having in, in chances is when we have made a little error of judgment or decision-making when we're playing out ourselves rather than actually conceding chances from wide or from an opposition breaking through off their own accord. So if you actually look at the chances QPR created, none of them were really through their own doing. And, and for the main part, we defended our box really well. And Hector and Williams look like they're, they're starting to build up a good partnership. I was just going to say that because uh, I'd, I had my concerns with uh, Uncle Richard departing as to whether, you know, particularly um, Marv looked a bit shaken in the first couple of games. was more, more with his distribution than his defensive capabilities, to be fair. But I thought I was a bit concerned about having them together but the starting, I thought they were rock solid on Tuesday night. And I think Williams in particular uh, seems to be coming on leaps and bounds. I'm a Liverpool sport mate we've had on here before, Kev. He, he said the big thing with Williams is he needs to man up. And he, I think a year in the championship will man him up and, and make him a far, far better player. Because it's the physicality, isn't it? You can play all this youth football and under-23 football, but you do not get the physicality that you get if you're playing with the opposition equivalent of Gary Medine, uh, who's leaning into you and doing all the things that the QPR. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. 
let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Forward line we're doing to them on Tuesday that, night. That Sinclair so. Armstrong, when he came on, was an absolute menace. Like, I don't know where they've got him. They must, must have built him in a lab because he has absolutely every attribute that you could possibly want in a, a striker. Um, and he was a real handful, but we initially it took, took a couple of minutes and then we dealt quite well with him as well, which was for me a real positive because that's the exactly sort of the exact sort of striker we struggled to play against last season mm. we had a lot of trouble with I think we were going to talk about the QPR uh, in the news section but let's let's finish off with what we're talking about here um, just just generally Tim um, aside from what we've just been talking about it was a brilliant result and first time we've won at Loft- Loftus Road in 50 years apparently and mm. um, for me, it was a it was a textbook. Um, it wasn't a smash and grab as a lot of the the QPR fans were talking about. I think it was a, a consummate away performance. It's it's known as. Yeah, I, th- I think um, you, you look at it, and uh, I, I've got to say, the first ten minutes, I was more than a little worried because um, it looked like uh, we were going to get overrun. But then we started to, for me, uh, as you know, sat there watching it with uh, with your beer. Um, I, I I could see I could see us getting to the game. I could see us having more chances. You start to see Patino um, probably have his best plays, best phase of football for us. I thought um, it was interesting. He really seemed to. Do, I don't know Sean picked him up, but he really seemed to just be sat behind that front front, front three, didn't he? And and um, and he was able to dictate a lot of the play from that. I mean, he's got this fluidity for me of his game that I really like to watch where he'll, he'll pick up a ball and almost seamlessly, uh, so nonchalant, isn't he? In the way he just glides past people. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And also the way he moves the ball from his left foot to his right foot. If he's changing direction, um, he's, you know, he's clearly, clearly a class. He's going to be a class player. And it's so frustrating. Typical. He's had his little typical. Blip. <laughs> and it's not like he's been tackled. It's nothing, is it? It's like an innocuous. It's an innocuous scenario that that anybody's played football's had. But when you're an 18 year old lad, it's normally the, the old hacks who've whose 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 cartilages have gone like me when I was about 30. Like you know, you'd, you'd run down the pitch and your ankle would go, and you think, oh bloody hell, and then you're out. You're out. Um, but not when you're 18 and not when you're not being tackled. And, and it's so frustrating for us and no doubt so frustrating for him and Arsenal. Um, you know, whether he should have come straight off is a debate. Um, but he, he seems, he, I thought he was, he'd run through it. And then just towards the end of the first half, he could see he was actually limping. And I thought, oh, he's not going to come out in the second. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really impressed with him. Really, really impressed with um, you know, again, Thompson at left back, he's just so tenacious. I just love that little, f- for me, he, he goes in to try and win a ball, which most of the players, fullbacks would hold off on and hold the ground. He'll just go in. And um, now sometimes he, he, he could, because I thought yeah, I thought he had a torrid first 15, 20 minutes. But um, at the end of the day, I just like the fact that he's, he's not scared. And he'll just go in and he'll tackle, um, you know, um, uh, Connolly had a great game, um, and, uh, and and then you know we've got Gabriel back. I I was quite the champion of having Connolly and Dougal together, but having seen it in the second half, I think it's probably a little bit too defensive. But whether it's something we'll try in the next f- few games and and try and push one of them slightly further forward, I don't know because of course when Connolly's come on, he's just he's been shoved in there all of a sudden at last minute just to. Um, 
uh, uh, plug a gap effectively where if you've actually got a more structured approach to it and there's and, and Appleton's talked through a game plan which I think because I think Conley's got the has got the ability to drive forward uh, I don't know I don't know what Sean thinks but um, I, I just felt we looked we we let them come on to us a bit more as soon as we went to that uh, too defensive and, and I can see the arguments against it now a lot more than I perhaps could do before I watched that I think um, it, it's difficult because I don't think we're able to, to press as aggressively as we did in the first half of 90 minutes. I just don't think that's sustainable at the moment, especially with the, the lack of depth, in, particularly in central midfield. I'd quite like to see Connolly play the eight. I said it a couple of weeks ago. I think he's got that knack of arriving in the box at the right time. And I think it's worth trying, but I also think the way that Burnley play, I mean, we thought Swansea were possession heavy. Burnley's lowest possession start at the moment is 65%. Um, and that was away at Watford. So it kind of tells you how much they dominate the ball. And as Michael Opton was referencing today, they move it at pace as well. They're a lot quicker um, than Swansea. So to be honest, I think we probably will have those, similar to the QPR game, we'll have phases where we do go on the front foot, we'll have phases where we sort of sit back and control things. Um, and I think sort of alternating between the two is quite good. But because we obviously have these two injuries now, I don't see someone that's going to carry the ball. And I think that's that's my concern for tomorrow is that I look at the central midfield options at the moment and I don't see someone that's going to take the ball and drive 20, 30 yards up the pitch. I think Patino and Fiorini have the capability to do that or to thread a pass through that takes us straight up the pitch. I'm not entirely sure we have those options. And I think that's my concern for the Burnley game. Okay, um, and Sean, that, that nicely segues on to... Um... Our team picks are Burnley uh, eleven, so let's let's get the um, the old team pick up on the screen, not that, that view. So, um, based on what you've just said, and based on the fact that my four three three app doesn't really reflect the correct uh, positions of the, uh, the central midfield players, maybe we should go to more of a defensive kind of four two three one. Um, Give us your thoughts on how we should line up formation wise against Burnley. This is really difficult. I, I predicted that we'll go four two three one, but I think I would quite like to see us play with two eights and put Connolly further forward. What does that mean in layman's terms? So we'll have you know how we've got uh, Dougal sitting, and then you've got Patino and Fiorini as the two yeah. further forward. We'd have Connolly and Carey, and then Dougal sitting, rather than having Dougal and Connolly together, and then Carey as a ten. I just I mean, don't think Carey can do that on his own at the, against a side like Burnley. That, that's it. The, 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 that layout though works though because mm, when you've got when you've got Bowler and and, and it, let's assume let's assume it's um, Lavia on the side, they are playing a slightly deeper role than the forwards. So I think it works for the layout of what we're talking about. Even if it is whether it whether it's a a four two three one or it's a where you look at it as a four three three. I think I think we can look, we can work with that layout, John. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, from front to back, then start to start to end. Grimmy's a shoe in, isn't he? In that, no one got any beef. superb on superb on Tuesday night, by the way. Oh, that sa- that's, that save he made when was it Dougal? Leanne loved that when Dougal cocked up in possession, lost the ball, and their man was three or one on one. Grimmy, Grimmy, think, Grimmy do, out there. I do like think he shouldn't have played in. <laughs> I do think he shouldn't have played it into him in the first place. I'd really do. It was it was awful ball to him. <laughs> So you're, you're blaming Grimmy then, really, aren't you? I'm blaming Grimmy, not Dougal. <laughs> <laughs> Leanne has just popped up in the comments, turn, so um, 
Gives your thoughts on that, Leanne. Whose fault was it? Grimmies or <laughs> Grimmies or Dougals? It's, it's funny how quickly it's turned that we're now Dougals the first name on the team sheet, pretty much for me in central midfield. So it shows how much he's he's rode the uh, the challenge. It's good to see Kevin in the chat anyway. <laughs> it was Dougal's fault. Told you it was. Club Kenny. Um right, anyway, Grimmy's in that. Sean. Right back to, again, Conley does not pick itself. Gabriel's back in contention though. Yeah, Gabriel, Gabriel will start for me. Uh, he's ready to go, and we don't have the options in midfield. I don't think he's going to play Matty Virtue from the start. From what he was saying today, he's he's pretty much said that if we get the options in, then Matty Virtue will go out on loan. Um, so, um, you know, I think it'll be Gabriel and then Connolly in central midfield. We don't care what he thinks. It's our and team. That's why I keep I saying right. this. You've got to pick Gabriel. You've got to pick Gabriel, surely. <laughs> if, if he's fit, he plays. Tim, do you concur? I do concur. So, oh, uh, in fact. Motion pass. <laughs> I actually agree. So we've got hat trick. Um, I forgot. I've got this little sound effect that can play while we're picking our, our Burnley 11. And it's on a loop as well. For those of a certain vintage. We were trying to explain what this was to Charlotte, but um, I'm just... completely overhead, didn't it? <laughs> trying to explain a 1950s American show and how that links in with her hometown. Didn't quite, didn't work. Got it nicely looping. Right, the two centre-halves. I'm putting Spud in there straight away. Don't they? Is it picking itself? I think. Okay. You can't drop Williams after the way he no. played on uh, no. Tuesday night. John's Williams agenda has got to pass for another week for now before he uh, finds a way to drop him <laughs> next week. Come on, make a mistake. No, I'm joking. Uh, left back, I think defence picking itself, isn't it? I think I don't know how... Sorry. Go on, sorry. Go on, Sean. No, I was going to say, uh, when will husband get back into the team the way Thompson's playing? Because obviously we've got another week's break after this. We've not got a midweek game, so when does husband get back in? Is he fully uh, fit I, now as well? Yeah. Yeah. I like husband, but I don't think he's as good. I don't think he's as aggressive as Thompson. And it's, it's for me, it's Thompson's aggression that... that, that, that he, the way he moves over that first three or four yards when uh, I love I love having this in the background by the way uh, that that three or four yard the way he moves is superb superb the first and that and it's that quick reaction that I like <laughs> what's this song <laughs> where have you been Leon you can even hear yourself think <laughs> we're trying to make a point you're not old enough for land. I thought you were 40 now you should know the Beverly Hillbillies you can't keep attending at 20. <laughs> Black goal, Texas T. Right, boys, centre mid. Dougal and Connolly? Uh, I think so for this game. Any, Texas any, T. Anything on that, yeah. Sean? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd play Connolly further forward in a, a 4 3 3, but I'd, I'll go with the, the two holding. I think we'll swap between the two a bit like we did with Reading where we Dougal came on didn't he in the second half I think we'll kind of start the first half that way okay I think we're all in agreement aren't we Connolly and Dougal too holding yeah, yeah. midfielders I think I think, I think, it, I think it will work if they're if they're possession based as well I think actually having the two defensive will, will work better than perhaps it might do in a more sort of um, possession 
uh, even game, if that makes sense. Okay. Right, Sean, talk us through these uh, three forward line players. I think we're are we sticking Bowler on the right to start with? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he was class again against QPR. Um, I thought he was very good against Swansea. I didn't particularly get the flack. I mean, we all know that he makes the odd bad decision. So I thought that was pretty ridiculous, to be honest. But um, And you, you know me, I've been critical of him in the past, but that's what we get with Josh Bowler, and you, you just have to take it. Um, but I think it's a massive few weeks for Sonny Carey, because he's got this chance now, and with the two mm. injuries, to, to really put himself in the picture. And if he doesn't, then obviously... We'll have to see where he goes from here. He's still, he's only had like eight starts in the football league. I kind of forget how new he is to to this football, but it's a massive few weeks for him. So he'll be in the ten, um, and I'd pick him in the ten. Or the nine then, on that. Uh, or the nine on this pick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Shane Lavery on the left because he's been brilliant the past two games. Tim, uh, I don't, I don't think there's any any viable option other than than Carey and. Um, I do like him, and um, like like Sean says, it's I, I'm, I'm still surprised he's only played eight games. You, you think he's been around a lot longer, don't you? And um, uh, you know we're gonna he's gonna need good support. You know he's gonna need good support from Conley and Dougal. He's gonna good, good, need good support from Bowler. And um, it's great. And listen, I just want to say it's fantastic that Bowler did play the game he did on Tuesday night because I saw that Pratt who slagged him off when he came off and listen he's one of the best players we've had in a Blackpool shirt in, in the last 10 years for me and um, and 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 holding him over the coals like that to the point where he feels he needs to come out and apologise on Twitter is, is a disgrace and I'll call it out for what it is so um, fantastic to see that and I'm looking forward to see how Kerry gets on I mean, tomorrow I mean with Bowler it was the, the perfect response to that guy who took it he upon himself to go and fucking have a go at him Uh-oh. And hopefully he'll go and apologise to him. I uh, don't think he will, but um, if he had any guts, he would do. And, um, you know, you shouldn't call out players like that. You know, listen, he made a mistake. There's plenty of players make mistakes on football pitches. Um, you don't you don't call it, you don't do that to them. What, not, I mean, not, a player, not a player like Bowlers who literally has been one, you know. He, listen, since, since the likes of Charlie Adam left our football club, he's the best footballer to watch that we've... We, we've seen and we've spoken about this time and time again, it, even as frustrating as it can be, you know, it's a pleasure to what, you know, you, not many, not many fans of any club get to see a player run at players like the way he does. And, and it's a joy to watch. And, and why would you castigate somebody who does that? I just, I don't get it. It's just, uh, to, to be honest, Tim, I think you're doing Armand Nandjale a real disservice here, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think another point of the, the straight talking Michael Appleton thing was how, you know, he came out and defended his player and he basically said, what are you even moaning about? The appearance, the things that he's done for Blackpool, moments of magic that he's created. This club would have been a lot worse off last season without him. Um, and again, it's another example of him, you know, telling it like it is, whether people like to hear it or not. He's He was bang on again. Okay, so I think motion carried for Sonny Carey in the central attacking midfield row in the cam. I believe that's what you hipsters call that position, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Must get his name right anyway. I kept calling him Oliver Casey at one point. Damn whoever bought two players with similar sounding names. Left side of this 
Wolfpack, Shane Lavery. Yep. That that he he was fantastic again. He was another player who had an exceptional game. Even when things listen, I know things aren't necessarily coming off for him in front of goal, but his work rate off the ball, his he looks like he's getting a bit he looked a bit stodgy and a bit unfit at the start of the season, but I think he's getting his fitness back now. Um we we're not quite seeing that explosion of pace that we saw before his injury, but you know, hopefully that'll come back. Hopefully um, he's going to find the back of the net again. It, it could be a little bit like Jezza, I think, where he needs that goal really to. He's snatching, to, isn't he, Tim? He's snatching at chances now. Yeah, like he's leading saying, back. He's, he's but yeah. like that one that at the end, he was like mm. leant back, and it's like you tell your eight-year-olds not to lead back when you're taking a shot and just get over the top of the ball and use your laces. And he was snatching, and and and, and it's, that's probably a lack of confidence. But I think what we're seeing more from him now is, is we're seeing the work rate. When we see the work rate, the rest will come. The rest will come. And when, when it will be on Saturday, whether it be another game, I don't know. But for me, he's worth having in the team just for his, his, his work ethic. Mm. I think in the last two games as well, he's been more disciplined in the way he's pressed. I always felt he was a little bit too erratic, a bit too keen to, to just aimlessly run around like a bit of a headless chicken sometimes. Whereas mm. he seems to be more intelligent about the way he's doing it and that allows him to preserve it for the full 90 and pick the right moments, which is important. Ironically, Tim, you saying um, eight-year-old snatch at chances, lean back and don't use the laces. It was uh, Shane Lavery who was telling our eight-year-olds that he was our Tangerine <laughs> teammate to use your laces and not lean back. Down at Poulton FC. Just do what I say, not what I do, John. You should know that by now. But Shane makes it in the team. Right, who's going to be the fulcrum of this attack? Don't even try it. I'm being serious, Sean. It's Jerry Yates. It's 100% Jerry Yates. Because he's been brilliant as well the past two games. And I always make the point that I think there's not a player in the side that has the same movement and and intelligence in terms of the way he plays as, as Jerry Yates does up top. And I mean, you've seen how we linked through the thirds against QPR and, and Swansea with him up top. It's a no-brainer for me. His, his, his best contribution on uh, Tuesday night was not touching the ball. Um, but I, I don't mean that facetiously. I, mean, I generally mean Stayed on the, side, the build-up build mm. to Bowler's goal. How many players would have touched that ball and, been, and, the, and, the, and the offside flag would have come up? He had the wherewithal to know, I can't go anywhere near that. Opens his legs, let the ball, let the ball come through his legs, holds his hands up. He's not interfering with play. We score a goal. And that, that, that's, that's actually using football, your football brain. And, and it, it, was, it was a great contribution in a slightly unorthodox way. Is it contrary to another certain player who kicked a ball that was already over the line and was deemed offside against QPR last year? If anyone remembers that. I'm sure Matt could help us out on that one. Matt, who was that? No, but it, it is. It, 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 but it, and, and I was. I wasn't being. I said I wasn't being facetious when I said that was his best contribution because he had lots of other contributions. But it, it, you could see his brain was think. He was thinking, and and that's what you want from an intelligent footballer. He was thinking. You know, I, I touched that round. He lets it go. Goes through to bowler, cuts inside. Second, you know, two two goes at it but buries it and we're one up and we didn't look back from that. Okay, the majority has has spoken. Jerry Yates makes it in. 
So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is the team that's going to beat Burnley on Saturday. And to, to finish the show, gents, obviously that's going to the team that's going to win the game. But by by how many, or are we going to win? So, over to our predictions to see the show out, Sean. Your closing thoughts and your your match prediction. Um, I'm I'm hoping that we're able to frustrate them because you've seen in recent games that they have been a bit frustrated, Burnley, in terms of trying to find the goal and they are missing that killer instinct in front of goal because it's such early days for them. It's such early days for us as well, but we seem to be getting it together. I'm just you don't know how we're going to play without those two midfielders. That's the the thing, isn't it? It's very unpredictable, I think. But I'm going to say one nil towards, and then we'll frustrate them for the rest of the game. Tim. Um, what I would say is the last time that we were five to one to win away, which apparently we are on most books. Six in time. some, six in others. Six in some. Um, was Sheffield, Sheffield United. United. Sheffield United. And, and we all cleaned uh, up, didn't we? We did. So I, was, I shall be having a little bet tomorrow and um, I shall be holding, crossing my fingers for a one nil or, or maybe, maybe a two nil win. If you get a two nil win, it's early payout as well. So on bet three, six, five, we go two nil up, we win. So um, I'll be having a tickle. Let's put it that way. And I hope um, I hope that it's uh, it's not money thrown down the drain. So hopefully, I'm going to go for I'm going to join Sean and go for a one nil win. Um, I'm known for being pessimistic, but I'm going to be optimistic on this occasion. Yeah. Uh, well, I've, I've already staked my claim on one nil. Um, like I said, these and, Joe, and Joe and Joe's got whatever he's got. So. He's not there, so that's another reason why we might win the game because he's going to miss it. <laughs> so everybody, Joe, just, just think. Well, Joe, just think you can sit at home on your phone all afternoon uh, rather than be at the game and do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's mean, Tim. That's mean. You're a big meanie. Alan Taylor says one-one. Uh, as does. Gary, Gary Hebs, and B3-0 to the pool. Leanne, 2-1 Blackpool. Matthew Warrender, 2-1 pool. Marv, last-minute winner, 2-1 Blackpool. There's a lot of um, positive Blackpool fans there, so you know what's going to happen, don't you? Yeah. Can you can you imagine how insufferable I'm going to be with my Mark Lappleton is amazing agenda when we win, like, 3-0? It's <laughs> never stop. <laughs> Which says uh, two ones Blackpool Medine with a brace, man after my own heart. There, uh, um, finally we've got some. It's not cheating saying three one Prosper Burnley fan. Uh, Michael says, yeah, two 0 But a lot of optimism going into this game when there was a hell of a lot of pessimism after the Barrow game. And it's strange, isn't it, how one good result away at QPR can change the whole mindset of a football club. It is. That's what. Uh, but fickle football fans, mm. I think it's called, isn't it? Yep. Very fickle. Um, but we we, are, we do we do live by our emotions, and um, you know, and I think I think actually when you listen to again to the interview that Sean um, uh, that Sean put out, maybe we could put a link on it in here or something. I don't know, but um, uh, Michael did say, didn't he, that we weren't as bad at Barrow as as everybody thought we were. And if, if you actually do analyse it, we had shed loads of chances. The problem is we had the wrong players on the pitch. Uh, particularly on the left-hand side, to actually convert those chances. So, 
you know, um, I don't think we could, you know, we, we dominated possession. We just didn't score. Um, QPR, we had the best chances and didn't score. You know, Q, you know, and um, uh, did I say QPR then on on that first Swansea, one? Yes, yeah, I, I meant Swansea. And then and then on Tuesday night, um, uh, you know, again, you know, we, we you know, listen, it could have gone the other way, but it went our way. But the point being, is at the end of the day, we've got six points out of twelve. We keep this up. We're ahead of um, Burnley. We're ahead of Burnley. We've got yeah, over a point ahead so, of so so we we keep we keep that up and we end up we end up um you know uh, have you got six points out of twelve or six points out of nine? I've lost how many games. Well, no, six out of twelve, yeah. Six out of twelve. Got six out of twelve. We keep that up. We stay up, don't we? This is the the thing as well. I think we, like Mitch says, you you need to stick with them because you've got to look beyond performances as well. If we do go and lose 2-0 tomorrow, but we put in a good performance, it can't just be back to what it was at Swansea because we played well against Swansea and everyone was slagging them off. Well, not everyone, but quite a lot of people were slagging them off. You've got to look beyond the performance. We're in the very early days here. It's a long process. And as much as people like want to, to nip at everything that, that Michael Appleton wants to do to some extent, some people are like that. It's pretty pathetic, to be honest. But... You know, where, what are you going to get out of that? What what are we going to win here with just complete, just constantly sniping everything that he's doing? Just get behind it. It's your football club, and eventually it's going to come good because at the moment the the signs are positive. And and you think about the fact that he still wants two or three more additions into the squad. The fact that we still think we've got you know additions to make into the squad. It's a, a long way off where we want to be, and it's already pretty positive signs. So stick with it. Well, it's not that long ago. We're, we're, I didn't actually go to the games because we were on holiday, but it was it it was West Brom away, and 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 probably one of the most iconic scenarios in the season was was the support the team got at the end of the game after they'd lost the game two one, and and we've got to keep that going and and turning on the team and booing them. Off. I mean, I, you know, I I ended up with a three hundred. It did go off a bit of a tangent, but I ended up with a three hundred odd thread post Navy FTT because I was embarrassed mm. stood in that stand with people booing our team around me when we'd narrowly lost a game against against um, Swansea at home that arguably we could have won and we're in the championship you know we've got no divine right to be in the championship we've got no divine right to be anything and and to boo them or boo them off and for some to be slagging bowler off and 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 I, I, I honestly, I, I that thought, guy what, having a go at Simon Sadler as well. What a cock! What the what the, what what the fuck? Oh, I even forgot about that. And, and listen, the guy, the guy's come in, and I said, I said that on the point. He's he's basically realigned his life to own the football club. And, and and listen, that means involving moving his whole family to a different continent, moving moving the whole operations of his business to a different continent, spending. And I know how much time you have to spend being involved in a football club, spending probably 40 hours a week on top of his 40, 50 hours he'd be doing his day job um, running Blackpool, shoveling money into it, and then some prat goes and fucking gives him a lot of shit because we're losing 1-0 at home to QPR in the last couple of minutes. What that? I'd use, what, I'd what, use a stronger term to describe whoever that was. It's a fucking what, dickhead. What, what, what planet is that person on? And Andy's talking about building a new training ground. Andy's talking about developing the East Stand. Not talking. And when he talks, he does. So he's talking. I'm thinking, it's not, it's not just about the money. It's about how much time he gives to it. And, and I've got the utmost respect for anybody who does that. Because I've, as I said, to, in, in, a, in a short window, I've done it. And I know what impact it has on your life. 
And I just think, Jesus, you haven't got they haven't got a clue. It was probably somebody who never never gave. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm I'm going off to kill it. It's somebody who probably never never boycotted. Yeah. Thought they were different. You know, I'm I'm a special person. I've got particular reasons to go to the ground, yeah. and 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 hasn't got a brain cell. Um, that's all I can think because I was going to say, if you look at look at what block they're in and think about where the boycott, the people who stayed during the boycott, what stand they were setting. That's that's all I'm going to say on that. It's a, it's pretty much nailed on, isn't it? That they were. But what what worries me is that Simon takes that to heart and 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 re, you know realizes his position again because what who who wants to put up with that shit? Who, who, I wouldn't. Anybody? This wouldn't. is this is the, this is the issue, isn't it? It's it's the fact that they do take take that into account. They are you know it does upset people. It's, it upset Josh Bowler. Mark Opton got flack in the, the dugout and he came out and you know Mark Opton ain't gonna take any shit. So it, it's okay for him. It's anything off his shoulder with the amount of crap that he's had in, in the past few years. But um well, well see whenever it, it he's does, every, loads does, of people are booing as well. Account. When loads yeah. of people people are booing as well then that's almost like that then you might get the impression that that's actually what people are thinking. You know, if if this you know if there's five thousand of the Eight or nine thousand left in the stadium. I couldn't believe how many people left before the end as well. But that's another matter. But um, you know, eight thousand. You know, eight thousand people have, uh, say half of them are booing, and then somebody starts whatever he did, chucking stuff or saying something. I don't quite know the full story. But as as as, as the person who's on the receiving end of that, you're going to feel like everything's closing in on you. And I'd, I'd like to think it's nothing. You know, it's it's the absolute opposite. I mean, well, Appleton said he was he was stunned by. The fact that they were booed off the park because he, I like like us, saw that it was a very good performance against Swansea. We were, we were unlucky, and I just think there is a section of the fan base that need to get a grip of themselves and realise that you support the football. Take a step back. Where are you getting me? In, I don't get where people are getting the enjoyment out of it. I don't get what. Where's your enjoyment of going to the football match and just slagging everything off and saying it's all shit? I don't get how you could possibly enjoy that, and that's that's what I don't get. It's just bizarre to me that you wouldn't be invested in the project. Now it's happening. Just you buy into it. That's natural. Yeah, yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. I don't get how you can possibly well, go I, to I, football I, and just I think the terminology out. supporter, uh, if you look it up in the dictionary, suggests that you support what's going on yeah. and and, go, and turning up to something and, and then just ripping it apart and slagging it off and, and, and trying to, uh, uh, and trying to undermine it is, is, is the absolute opposite of what you should be doing. And, and let's be honest, look look at some of the shit Neil Critchley served up in the last three months of, of his tenure and the, the the complete backing that he got. Um, I mean, after 5-0 at Peterborough, it, it wasn't like it was at the end of the Swansea game. So I don't get it. I just don't get it. I think it's pathetic. Um, and you know what? This is the thing, because this is what the, the issue for me is that, great, we got a result against QPR, but say we go and lose 3-0 and we're not not great on tomorrow, then what is everyone just going to do a 180 again? Like you need to just stick with it now, regardless. Exactly. So the, the lad that's been banned for three years for holding a smoke bomb, if he's been banned for three years, what sort of a ban should this tosser get for screaming a load of abuse? I think they should reverse it. Let the, (laughs) let the smoke bomb lad off and give this knobhead the three year ban. How's about that? (laughs) Yeah, look, no one's saying that, that you shouldn't cri- cri- obviously criticise things, but to literally go and ab- abuse someone is just mindless crap. Whereas, obviously, you know, we have got genuine criticisms of the ownership and the things that they're doing. Like, we talked about ticket prices, the, 
you know, some people have the thing with the mask. I think there are genuine critiques. They're just gripes, aren't they? Sure, they're just gripes at the end of the day. They're not like suing your own supporters and some of the things. Exactly. The bigger picture here is that we're so much better off. We're building things for the long-term future. And we are, everyone is, even the most critical of, of Simon Sadler understands that he's clearly the best owner for the football club. That's just how it is. And that's where I think sometimes when there are these mindless idiots that are then doing that, and then there's people doing little bits of critiquing here and there, it all gets put into one pot and we need to kind of disassociate the two things. There can be genuine criticism of the ownership, but they can't. this mindless crap that seems to be coming from a, a section of the support is just nonsense. Yeah, as uh, as Leon just said there, Sam Sutherland is one of us. He is. People seem to forget that. He's not a, a faux Blackpool fan that's been supporting the club since he was, what was it, Tim? Two years old. Two years old. <laughs> Two years old. There's, there's, there's a comment further up about, you know, it, surely we can all have opinions, as you can, but I think, I think there's a difference between having an opinion and then... V- booing the team off in the manner that they were booed off. And secondly, then, I don't either, either physically or verbally, depending on which version you hear, physically or verbally, um, admonishing the, the owner for the fact that we've had the temerity to lose a game 1-0 in the Champions. <laughs> <laughs> that we should have won. Like, that we should have won. You know. Yeah, we should have won. There's room for opinions. Yes, like like I said before, there's, there's room for like genuine criticism of some of the things that have happened over the summer, but the opinion that Michael Appleton is crap or Sam Adler is a crap owner is just a wrong opinion. It's not, it's like you can, we can debate that if you'd like, but you'll lose that debate because there's not really much evidence to point to either of those things being the case. It just seems to me like there's just agendas that people, this is the thing with general society, isn't it? If you have an agenda, you're either open enough to be able to change your mind. Like I have probably done on this podcast about 150 times. I've flip-flopped on opinions, but at least I can, I think all of us on here are able to admit when we've, we've said, had an opinion about something that ends up not being the case. Lower league, don- then, uh, lower exactly. league one donkey. Uh, Richard Keogh as well. <laughs> like we, we all do it, but this, there's this mantra from people that, you have to stick by your opinion for all counts, regardless of what happens. And it's just, I just don't get how people have the time for that. Yeah. I really don't. It's pathetic. Okay. So we'll just, we'll just sign off then this evening, ladies and gentlemen, with this final comment from Gary Hebbs. Well said boys, Simon has revolutionized the club from top to bottom. Some don't realize how lucky they are. Um, great, great comment that Gary. And I think just people just need yeah. to, Take a deep breath sometimes at the end of games and just think about what you're about to say. Take two deep breaths and um, yeah, just just think things through before you start screaming abuse at the the wrong people. And let's all support them tomorrow, whatever the score is tomorrow. Let's get behind the lads. Let's give them plenty because we're playing the dingles away. And listen, last thing that we want to do is turn on our own. <laughs> Everybody behind them, eh? Dennis. Uh, no no so- comments giving us the finger in the, <laughs> on the way out on the tunnel either. We'll, we'll just leave it this one. The Sadler abuser wore a bad man bag. Enough said, Dennis. Right, um, do like him. man bags? <laughs> do like and subscribe anyway if you like this. Hit the notification bell, all that bollocks. Thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, thanks oh. for all the comments. So, as we said, is come on the pool against the clampets. Come on. Go on the pool. Go on the pool. Come on. So just before you head off, I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon support program that we are running. 
This enables you to just contribute a small monthly amount to help support our show and support our content. So if you head over to patreon.com forward slash seasiderspod, you'll find details of how to sign up. It's about £3.50 per month, price of a pint, and for that you get a few other bits in return, which is access to our private members' WhatsApp group. You'll get some exclusive podcasts, competitions, so we generally run match pass draws for our patrons and just other random bits and pieces as they come in and we are going to be running an extra time podcast which is going to be an exclusive podcast just for patrons so if you want to sign up patreon.com forward slash seasiders pod it'd be great to have you on board thanks for listening The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.